So once again, welcome. What I was thinking about uh, sharing for this evening is what I call kind of the foundations of my daily meditation practice. Because there are things that have been so helpful, and maybe I've noticed the things that have been so helpful because I've had all these explorations of the things that have not been helpful for my daily meditation practice as well. And, and so I just want to go over some of the, the details of the forming of the habit and things that I incorporate into my meditation practice when I begin. And I want to be really clear, this is just what I do. I think different people do different things. And if some of you do something different, I, I'm hoping what we'll do is I'll share some things, we'll sit and then have a discussion because I'm really curious about it. And then the other thing, which I'll probably leave more for our discussion as well, maybe uh, touch upon it a little bit, which is for me, one of the things that uh, helps continue my meditation practice, the habit of it, is remaining inspired. And, and it's, it's shifted over time. Like it's, I'll be honest, my inspiration has ups and downs to it where sometimes I feel like I'm really on fire. There's something in the Dharma or I've heard a talk or there's some aspect of it that I, it, it gets me on the cushion every day really easily. And other times where I'm just trudging through, I need something to keep me going. Yet I find it a, a very important aspect of keeping that habit going. And I think the, the habit is so important, the repetition of it is so important. So yeah, just, just some reflections around this, around creating the daily habit of practice and then some things that I begin with. And then maybe afterwards about inspiration. So for me, it's really quite interesting. For me, the thing that's been easiest to keep a, a daily meditation practice going is if I sit right when I get up in the morning. Usually I have a glass of water or this little juicy thing and then I immediately sit. And it's interesting because I have tried something, things differently. Like at times I've gotten up, had breakfast, did some stretching and then sat. And often what would happen is I'd get up, have breakfast, get some work done, <laughs> maybe do some stretching. <laughs> Meditation is out the window many mornings, especially when I felt stressed. And, and so it was interesting because I really wanted to stretch beforehand. So I even tried to cut out the eating and just stretch and then sit. But I noticed there would still be an, uh, a more of a tendency to to find something or something, it'd feel like something would come up where I wouldn't sit. And so that change has been really helpful for me where it's just like, as, as soon as I can, it's like my mind, maybe my mind is pretty slow in the morning so I can't, it, it doesn't have the, the excuse machine can't get rolling as quickly. And, and it, you know, when we get to the discussion, I'll be really curious what others find helpful and what gets in the way. And then also, I think one of the things that does get in the way, and it's tied into some of this dynamic I'm sharing, is that when I feel stressed, when I'm stressed out and I feel like I have too much to do, it's the most compelling thing. It kind of pulls me in a way from daily practice, which is really quite interesting. And then what can happen is if I get pulled enough, even a few times during the week, into something like, oh, this is more important, it's funny, it like it becomes a habit where I can't get on the cushion again. 
And so again, having it first thing in the morning has been really helpful for me because of my particular, you could say, hindrances around it, as far as that goes. So I'll be curious, you know, for me, it's the same time every day. And, and that's what works for me. Maybe I'll also share right here. Another thing that I found helpful in the past that I know individuals do is to have a group to sit with. One of the things I loved when I was a monk was I had no choice. I, I quite honestly, I loved not having a choice where that was just, that was my job, you could say, and I had to show up. And I, to be honest, I miss that. I miss having external structure because it created regularity and it created a kind of intensity for my spiritual practice, which can be difficult to, to do on my own at times. And especially these days, I'm amazed at how many groups you can join, especially like in the mornings, like, and Michael, you might not even know about this, but you know, Gil Fronsdale at 7 a.m. California time, there's a half hour sit, and then he does a 15 minute dharmet every single, I think it's every single morning, maybe five days a week, which is available. There's a YouTube streaming thing. And I know a lot of people that use that. I was, I was thinking of, after this, I'll put up uh, the link to that. I know that there's a few people just because I know a, a Sangha in Colorado that uh, connects with the Denver Sangha that does something very similar. And a number of practitioners have told me now that it's online, there's sometimes more regularity because then there's a group to go to that makes it easy where they can still be in their, their, their homes. And it's just a big shout out for groups that we can join in on that are meeting regularly. And I know in some ways this is my, maybe this is my wanting mind craving. This is like Sangha craving that we, <laughs> we would have that again. <laughs> At FIMC, I know John Gordon used to do this for us, which I was very grateful for, the sense of having some kind of regular practice. So I want to throw that out there of, of, of that context that can help with repetition and habit. I think there are two other things that come to mind in the midst of creating habit. One is, is I, I sometimes conceptually frame it differently for myself in, in different ways. One is, is I remember how important repetition is for any kind of art when I think of like playing a, a musical instrument. For example, when I played the clarinet, it was super obvious to me when I missed a week. It, my playing just from a week was different when I was, when I was practicing daily. I could really feel it. And I think that it's the same with meditation. With the regularity, I feel different in my life for me. And so that memory has been really helpful. And then there's another framing that's maybe less common, but I find interesting, which is the act of ritual. And this has been helpful to begin to understand when I sit in meditation every morning, it's like I'm engaging in a kind of ritual, just as like people do rituals of bowing and and chanting and things like that. For me, sitting in silence is a ritual. It's, it's spoken about uh, like that in, in certain ways, which I think can be a helpful frame. And I wanna share with you some quotes from this great article by Anne Klein. Anne Klein's a, she's a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner, but she's also a, 
uh, a professor, I think still down at Rice University. I, I love her writing. She's really brilliant and really the way she thinks about practice and understanding Buddhism I've gained a lot from. I want to share with you a few quotes from this article. And again, maybe I can share it because I found it really interesting around ritual. So in this, this article, she, she says about ritual, she says, I've always emerged profoundly grateful to have stayed the course and to have, despite bouts of inner backlash, followed a calling that includes ritual practices. For they open doors, nothing else in my experience has opened. And I appreciate the language that she used, which is this act of staying the course despite the bouts of inner backlash. And I appreciate her normalizing that, that that's part of doing quote unquote a ritual practice like sitting meditation is that's, that's what I need to go through. That's what's gonna happen. And it's like, oh, I, I'm just like any other practitioner. This is what happens with any kind of ritual, um, repetitive ritual like this. And it has opened doors for me and maybe probably for all of you here, that's why you meditate. It's, it's opened different doors in interesting ways in your life. And then she points out another aspect of ritual, rep ritual repetition. She says, ritual repetition is roughly analogous to scientific controls. We sense shifts in our experiences, experience more clear, clearly against the backdrop of sameness that is formal repetition. We notice, for example, how very differently we experience practice at different times, even as the form of what we do remains the same. In this way, we touch as if for the first time, the emergent power of something already inside us. Especially for those of you who've been practicing for a while, have you noticed how your relationship to meditation or, or doing the same thing allows to see these changes about maybe how you relate to meditation? I know my notions about meditation when I first began, you know, I hold a whole different outlook and one in many ways that was maybe pretty diluted. I think it was too influenced by drug experiences. So I was hoping maybe I can get to that place without doing drugs and just stay there. And um, that was severely misguided. And then it developed over time when I had to sit with myself again and again and seeing how my heart sometimes is really soft and open to what's arising in my life and sometimes not when I'm doing the same exact thing. And then just this last quote, which I think fits into the power of the backdrop of sameness and how it reveals something that allows me to move ahead. She says, like life, ritual is both repetitive and unique. The spiritual, the spiritual challenge in life, as in ritual, is to stay current and awaken to our own rote habits of perception and reactivity in thought and in action. Ritual helps to dissolve these habits, not overnight, but over time, and also helps us to evolve such positive qualities as serenity and genuine responsiveness. Both the dissolving and the evolving 
leave us with more space in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds. For me, how I relate to this is that meditation has been, has given me like the framework to relate to my ear, especially the flavors of anger and irritation. Having the repetition of that arising again and again and again, it's in that the backdrop of sameness that I've been able to start to cultivate a different relationship to those emotions. And and I think this is where that repetitiveness has been so helpful to wear away some of those habits. So for me, there's something inspiring about seeing sitting meditation and ritual because it's like, oh, I want to engage in that because I know the taste of transformation that can come from that. And then maybe lastly about ritual. This is from Zen. And again, this is a, a different perspective. And you heard this on Monday night, you know, the, the framework for practice that Koshin gave us Monday night is a little bit different than what we, what we explore in insight meditation. I find both really fruitful. And this framing of sitting meditation zazen that the Zen master Dogen gives is, is more likened to what Koshin was talking about. Like he talks about that sitting in meditation is, as one scholar says, the ritual enactment of awakening. Which means when I take the posture of in, sitting in meditation, I'm embodying the activity of awakening. I find that interesting to play with. What would it be like to sit down and to be like, oh, can I realize or taste that this is the act of waking up. This is the act of awakening. It's not someplace I'm getting. It's right here as I sit down. And it's in the very act of sitting silently. So another dimension to that. So this is about habit, forming habit. What's the time that works for you? What are the supports like community? What allows you to keep in the, the repetitiveness of it, whether it be the framework of maybe playing a musical instrument or seeing it as a ritual that unfolds in these particular ways in your life. And then there are some things that I, I do begin with when I sit in meditation. And, and one is I place you can say I place two intentions when I sit. One, many of you know, is I place an altruistic intention and it's like, takes probably five seconds. May this practice go to the benefit of all beings. Because the repetition of that for me has opened up kind of a different feeling sense of what it means to meditate. And it's not anything more than that. It's just the repetition of that. And then I have the specific intention for that sit. Whatever, you know, because I go through different phases where I might be doing loving kindness practice or an open awareness practice or just playing around with noting and labeling my experience. But I find it to be really important to be clear about how I'm engaging in sitting meditation. And then I en engage in the meditation. And I'm going to be super honest with you. There are mornings where I sit down 
and my mind is off to the races before I get to my intentions. <laughs> and it's nice to be like, what I do is I open my eyes and I say, okay, Brian, let's just start now. And then I do take time to start in a way that works for me where I'm really clear about those intentions and then I engage. So I wanna be honest, like I'm, I'm trying to give like a very specific, fr simple framework, but yeah, the ups and downs of the mind, at least my mind, these are the things that happen. And then, you know, so the other thing that I found helpful is just allowing the body to relax. And then I'll engage in, you know, either paying attention to the breath or practicing loving kindness, whatever it is. So those are some things that, that I think, think can be really helpful for our sitting meditation. These kinds of things to, to create the foundation for what we're doing. And as you know, especially in this tradition, meditation is so fundamental. Like the, the, the understanding is, is that the way I understand the Buddha's teachings, I can read those books for all my life, but it's the visceral experience of, oh, this is what impermanence feels like. This is what the nature of awareness is like. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. This is what is meant by craving, by not wanting. Oh, yeah, this is fear. This is what my fear feels like in this situation. Interesting. And this is what I love about this tradition is it's like this, this Petri dish where I can, I'm, I'm, that's not maybe not the, the, the wrong analogy. It is the space of my exploration. Maybe I'm one of the creatures in the Petri dish being fed these like <laughs> different mind states that we see what happens <laughs> as far as that goes. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think I'm gonna just pause here. <laughs> 